We've been in a series uh, for some time called Hearing From Him. Last week, uh, we, we taught on a, a different subject, but two weeks before was the last time we taught on this. And so I'm going to recap where we were and um, keep going on what we are covering that last time. But just so that we're all on the same page, we'll go through some of this. And just, you know, we prayed, be believing with me. I have a lot here, and, um, you know, I'm going to recap some things and just... We believe and we get the right things. I don't want to shortchange you. I don't want to keep you here all night, but I don't want to shortchange either, you know, just to say that's it. We want to get the right amount, so let's just believe together for that. Uh, let's put up Romans 8.14. If you want to turn there, you can, because that's, that's a scripture. You should see where that is in your Bible, uh, or whatever you're using there. Romans 8.14, but a lot of these we'll, um, we'll just put up on the screen at the beginning anyway. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So, Sons of God, daughters of God, that's in the generic sense, are led, have the, uh, have the ability to be led by God, should expect to be led by God. If you're a child of God, then you can be led by God. There is no such thing as a child of God that he's not going to lead. You know, we were talking about this on Sunday, uh, not last week, but the week before. Uh, God does not have any favorites. Now that means you can believe for the favor of God. He's made us all kinds of promises, but that's up to you to appropriate for yourself. In other words, God doesn't pick somebody out when two people have done exactly the same thing and, and favor one of them. That would be unjust. Now what He does do is respond to faith. Two people can respond to Him differently. One person may, because His grace is the same to everybody, but it's how people respond. You know, and we'll say, you know, we'll say things like, well, he's God, I'm his favorite. Well, it's true. He, he treats everybody the same. So if you're believing what the Bible says, well, you're going to be favored. But if you don't, God would be unjust to treat two people that are doing the exact same thing differently. But one person could respond to him and say, I believe that. I believe that I'll have favor today. And one person could say, well, whatever. I don't know. I don't respond. Well, one person is going to experience favor. The other person won't. But it's not because God was favoring the one person. It's because one person responded to the favor he's already given. He's told us we can have favor. And if we say, oh, I just don't believe it, we've given that up. And then we see somebody else being blessed and say, well, why, why are you treating them better? He's not treating them better. He would be unjust. Well, some people will say, well, so-and-so, they seem to hear from God, but I don't. God is not favoring them. God, if you are a child of God, you have every right to be led by the Spirit of God. One of the reasons we're teaching on this is so that we come up in this ability. If we don't know, then it's harder to be led. If you're ignorant about something, if I'm ignorant about something, you know, if I don't know how to drive, uh, you know, a car, let's say I go to a different country, and, you know, of course, some countries, the steering wheel's on the opposite side of the, of the car, and then maybe there's some other things that I'm not used to. If I don't know how to do it, I'm not going to really be able to, to, to drive well. I'm not going to be able to partake, but it's not because the car 
doesn't like me or the car is somehow withholding from me. I just don't know. Well, God is, he has made uh, his word plain to us. Part of the reason we're, we're covering, why we cover any of these things is so that we can come up in knowledge, so we can partake of things that he has already provided. And if we think, well, I just can't, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't be led by God. I've made wrong decisions the last five times. It's not because God's not leading us. It's because maybe we're not listening to Him uh, the way we should. We don't know some things. And that's what, but if we'll start to tune in correctly, we'll find He's leading us just like He is everybody else. Everybody, any child of God can be led by Him. Everybody just say that. I, I can be led by the Spirit of God. Say this, say, I hear the voice of, of the Lord. See, you need to say that, you need to believe that, even when it looks like you're making wrong decisions. Even if you've made four wrong decisions, it may be tempting to say, I just, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I mean, I know, I've, I've read the, I just don't know why I can't hear from God. Don't say that. If He told you you can hear from, from Him, then say, I, I can hear from Him. I'm following him. Right in the face of making something that looks like the wrong decision, you say, I hear him. I'm making good decisions. I listen to God. I'm led by him. So this says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they, these are the sons of God. Verse 16 says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So he bears witness with a certain part of us. That's our spirit. We are a spirit. We have a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and uh, we live in a body. He doesn't bear witness. He doesn't lead you by what you see. That'd be by sight. That'd be by your flesh. He doesn't, he doesn't lead you by hot flashes or cold flashes or goosebumps or anything like that. He doesn't lead you by, well, I can understand it, so it must be God. What if you don't understand it? Just not God? See, that'd be being led by your mind. He doesn't bear witness with your flesh, your body. He doesn't bear witness with your mind. He bears, with this, bears witness with your heart, your spirit. And see, so we need to know that because uh, some people are looking on the external to try to determine if it's God or not. And we'll miss it. You might understand something. You might think everything looks great with what you can see, but you can't see the future. You can't see around. And if we're sensitive to God, if it's not the right decision, God will be warning you in your heart saying, don't go that way. But you, in the natural, you could say, oh, but this, this looks great. This is, this is the right way to go. And if we're listening to our heart, we'll hear, no, don't do it. Well, but why? I can't understand. He doesn't bear witness with your mind. But I want to know. You may not know. What if it's something that has to do with a situation you know nothing about? How is he going to get that over to you? Yes, there are gifts of the Spirit. Yes, there could be a direct a vision, a warning, but you should not depend on those things. You can always depend on the Spirit within you. And Satan can't counterfeit that. You can always depend on the peace of God. And we talked about that, that that will be peace. Let's keep moving. Try to get past the first verse here. <clears throat> Uh, in the New Living Translation, quickly, uh, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. In the Common English Bible, verse 14 says, All who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons and daughters. So we, as children of God, can believe uh, to be led by Him. In the Amplified Classic, verse 16, <clears throat> it says, The Spirit Himself... 
thus testifies together with our spirit, assuring us that we are children of God. And we touched on this. This is how he assures us we're going in the right direction. The same way you know I'm a child of God. You know it by the word, but his spirit will bear witness and, and give you peace that you're a child of God. That's the same way you're going to know I'm on the right track. The spirit's going to testify with your spirit saying, yep, this is the right way. Now see, your mind may go, your eyes may go, what are we doing? This is crazy. But in the, in the inside, you have peace. You need to follow peace. And the same way you could have, you, 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 don't, you, you think it looks great, but inside the Spirit's testifying, don't do that. It's not a peace. You need to listen to your Spirit. This is how people can avoid trouble. Some people say, well, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? God is not, a fa He's not playing favorites. He didn't allow, I mean, it happened in that sense. Yes, he allowed it because he's sovereign, but he's not going to override a person's free will. But he was warning. Not everybody listens. Not everybody hears. But to say somehow God just, he took them out on purpose. That violates so many scripture. That makes God a murderer. God didn't do it. There was a warning. Did you hear me? Somebody gets into something and somebody says, I just don't know why God took that person. No, he didn't take them. Well, why didn't he warn them? He did. Well, they, didn't, they made the wrong decision. That's why we're talking about this. Because we can learn to be sensitive. What if they said, I don't see any danger, and their outward understanding thought it was fine. If they would be tuned to their spirit, their spirit could have been alarm bells going off saying, don't go, don't go, stop, don't go out. Don't go out tonight. Somebody gets taken out in, in a car accident. But why did that happen? Well, there's multiple things. Somebody may have, you know, been out of control. You know, the person that, that caused the accident. They're, we're dealing with people's wills. We're dealing with a fallen nature in the world. We're dealing with, um, you know, natural elements and everything. But God can keep us from it if we'll learn to be led by the Spirit of God. He always is directing us and guiding us, but we need to be sensitive to what's Him and what's not. So last week, we'll read a little bit about this, but, but we emphasize, I don't have time to go through all that or else we won't get to what we're covering tonight, but uh, we'll, we'll look at a few scriptures, but uh, the primary way God is going to lead us is by peace. In other words, we're going to have peace in our spirit, not peace in our head, not peace in your flesh. In other words, God may lead you in a place where your skin is crawling. Your flesh wants to say no, but inside it's right. And we're supposed to let that peace on the inside be the, the director, the, the, the part of us that, that makes the decision. Uh, Colossians 3.15. We'll put this up quick. We, we, we spent some time here. Colossians 3.15 it says, and the let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body, and be thankful. In the Amplified, it says, let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with Him, be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. In the Amplified Classic, 
It says, let the peace, soul harmony which comes from Christ, rule, act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state uh, to which, as members of Christ's one body, you were also called to live. So God's peace, and we spent some time about this, God's peace is to be the umpire that determines where we go, our, our, the peace in the spirit, in our spirit. Now we, we talked about this at some length, that God, He's going, whatever he, however He's leading us, it's going to be peaceful. In other words, God doesn't freak out. God doesn't get fearful. God is not anxious. So when any way that He's going to lead us, think about it. He's the Almighty. He knows everything. Why would He get upset? He's not upset. He knows everything. He's all-powerful. Men get upset. Men and women get upset. They say, what's going to happen? How is this going to work out? God already knows how it's going to work out. Well, I don't see the answer yet. He already knows the answer. Well, I don't see how, you know, how, how can we be healed from this? He already knows how to fix it. Precisely. Exactly. What, what situation would there be that God would be anxious about it or upset? He knows everything. He has the means to fix anything. Now, he could be grieved. He's grieved by the sin and on the earth, and he's grieved by people not following him. That's not the same as being a yeah, anxious. There's, God is never at a point where He has to get you to go act right now. He might be stern. I mean, there are places in the, the Bible where He tells somebody, you do this, but it's not an anxiety. It's more of a, let's do this now. You need to move. But it's not anxious. It's just getting the job done. Do you see the difference? So a, when we're being led by Him, I mean, even, I'm not going to turn to this, but even... Uh, now, was it, was it Peter that was woke up? It was Peter, wasn't it, that was, that was woke up by the angel? Yeah, I mean, Peter is sleeping. He's in prison, he's out, and the angel has to hit him to wake him up. And then he just leads him, says, get up, let's go. But I don't see the angel going, you got to get out of here now. I mean, if it, if it was that urgent, he could have come five minutes earlier. God knows exactly when to do anything. So it's not going to be this, you know, fearful push. Some people think we got to do something now. Well, stop. Is that God? Whenever you feel a pressure to do something, you should back off. If you're somewhere and you feel pressure to buy something, you should immediately, like, you know, there's high pressure sales. And somebody starts pressing, you know, you got to do it now. you got to do it today. This is only good today. You start backing off right there. You're, you're gonna, if you feel pressure to act and if you're going to lose out on something, what is I'm going to miss out on something? What's that motivator? That's fear. Do you, do you realize the fear of loss? I heard somebody that was a professional in the real estate uh, area told me this once. He goes, the fear of loss is one of the greatest motivators there is. People make decisions and buy things all the time because they're afraid somebody else is going to get it. They're afraid, you know, they're not, if they, they're gonna, not going to get the right deal. That's not being led by God. 
Did you hear me? If you make a decision based solely on that, that's not being led by God. In fact, that plays into the hands of the enemy. He motivates by fear. He motivates by pressure. God doesn't. You don't think God knew that there was going to be a sale? I'm not saying you couldn't go into some place and buy something in a single day. There's a difference, though, between feeling peace and, yeah, I'm going to do that, and doing it because you feel pressure. You could walk in, see a good deal, say, wow, this is, this is awesome. And you, you may have not even really been thinking you needed to do that, but the, you have a, a peace about it, and you say, no, this, this is a good thing. This is, this is God. But what is it? Is it because it's a good deal that's motivating you? No. It's because it may be a good deal, maybe a rotten deal. It's not what, how good the deal is. It's you're looking inside going, is this the right step for me? Is this the right? And, and it will be peaceful. Because God's going to warn you. If you're about to make a mistake, He's going to warn you. Now, you have to differentiate between maybe your, your excitement and your emotions. You know, you can get excited about something. Well, this is God. Really, it's just your emotions. <clears throat> You want it. Anybody ever been there? I want it, and I want it now. And then, if you're not careful, if you start saying, well, I believe God wants me to have it, and you're sliding into because you really want it, you need to dif differentiate between your soul and your spirit. The Bible says the Word will do that. One way to do that is go home and sleep on it. That gives you a, a buffer, an opportunity to determine, is this just me, I'm worked up about it? Or is it really the Lord? Because I could just want it. And people all the time start bringing God's name into it and start saying, well, the Lord told me. Be very careful when you do that. Because you dumb it down the more you do that, and then if it's not Him, well, I thought God told you. It's better to say, I feel impressed to do it. Unless you know it's God. I'm not saying don't say the Lord told you to do something, but backing out of that is not... Uh, is, a, is harder than I, I believe this is the way I should, I should uh, go. You can, okay, so you missed it afterwards. But, you know, don't throw the Lord everywhere and say it was God that told me, it's God that told me. You better know. Now, I'm not telling you to, put, to say that to, to put you in fear, but it, it undermines our faith. If we keep thinking, well, it was the Lord, you, you walk it out, believe that it may be God, and, and, and uh, let yourself have some time. And if it's God, it'll get stronger. But God will always lead us by peace. It's going to be peaceful. There's never a time where it's going to be anxious because God is just not anxious. We read um, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Let's go. Let's go here, and then we're going to move into... Um, some things that specifically I want to get into tonight, related, just a little bit deeper. Matthew 11, verse 28, says, Come to me, this is Jesus, all you who labor and are heavy laden and are overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. See, right there. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus just said, if you're laboring and heavy laden, I'm going to do something opposite. So the people that are laboring and heavy laden, are they hooked up fully with him at this point? No, he said, come to me, you who are laboring and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In other words, I'm going to do something opposite of that. He didn't say, and I'll make it worse for you. I'll stir you up even more. 
He said, if you're laboring and heavy laden, I'll do something about it. He said, I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. That means the person that is fitting this description of being of labor and heavy laden, they're not hooked up fully with, with God, with the Spirit of God. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle. See, he's saying take my yoke upon you. My yoke, you know, I've never personally had experience, but you know, you see like yoke uh, that are with oxen. That means the purpose of a yoke is to tie two of them together. Then you're putting something on the yoke to pull, so they act as one pulling. Well, he's saying, take my yoke upon you. What does that mean? He's walking with you. When you take his yoke upon you, when you're walking with the Lord uh, in life, it says, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest. See, if we're, if we're walking with him, it's going to be rest. See, we're, we're following him. Do we want God's plan for our life? We want to walk with him, right? Well, as we're walking with him, he's describing what his leading is like. He just said, if you're overburdened, if you're laboring and overburdened, you're not in his yoke, because he said, come to me, and I'll give you rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you. Well, you didn't have his yoke upon you if you're laboring and overburdened. Do you realize a lot of people think when they're laboring and they're just working and they're, 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 they're straining, that they're doing it for the Lord and they're hearing from Him? He's contradicting that right now. And we read a lot of scriptures last week, and you have to go listen to them uh, because I don't have time to recap all that. But we're going to hook up here. God's yoke, Jesus' yoke, it's easy. It, when, when you're being led by Him, it is not laboring. People, some people have the idea if you've you got to go all out for God and you know, you'll wear out doing it. That's just not true. Why does He have to wear you out? Why does He? You're not God. You're not the Savior. You're one of how many people on the face of the earth that are serving Him. He knows what's coming. You know, it's not like some people where you try to push you to get it done to tomorrow, but then you wait for three weeks before they actually do anything with it. Push you. Get it done, get it done, so it makes their job easier, and they have you waiting, but now, three weeks later, oh, now I'll use it. Or, never. I'm not, you got it done, great. Well, actually, our plans changed. We don't, we don't need to use that now. But, sure sounded urgent when they were having you do it. God's not like that. He won't push you like that. Some people have the idea he's a pusher. He's not a pusher. Why does he need to push? The infinite God of the universe is going to put so much burden on a little human being, your shoulders are not his shoulders. Think about it. Think about how big he is compared to us, and we just think, oh, God, he's got to get it done through me. Uh, nope. There's a, probably something else pushing on you. Not him. It says, uh, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble, lowly in heart. You will find rest, relief, and ease, and refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quiet for your souls. For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, hard, sharp, pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. My burden is light, and easy to be born. 
My burden is light and easy to be borne. So I'm going to read verse 30 again. My yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, not hard, sharp, pressing, comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. See, we are identifying what's him and not. He just identifies. See, sometimes identifying what something's not helps you to identify what it is. So he says, my yoke is wholesome, so useful and good. We know if it's useful, good. We saw rest. We saw peace. That sounds like Jesus. Now he just lists a bunch of stuff that's not him. Not harsh. If it's harsh, it's not him. Hard. Sharp. Pressing. Those aren't, we just said, not him, not him, not him. But it's God. He's wanting me to do this. Well, is it pressing? Is it sharp? Hard? It's not him. But comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. Can you see the, the, the difference here? The contrast. Harsh, hard, sharp, pressing, and on the other side you have comfortable, gracious, pleasant. Just the words. You hear the difference. That's the voice of God. The harsh, hard, sharp, pressing. That's not. My burden is light and easy to be borne. Now, I want to show you some examples of this. We're going to continue. We're going to show, I want to show you some examples, the way Jesus operated, but then also the way Satan drives. We'll see if we'll get there. Matthew 4, verse 18. Matthew 4, verse 18. says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. So he just said to them, I'm going to read you another scripture uh, in a moment, where he said something very similar. He is telling them, follow me. But he doesn't make them do it. He could have done this, if he were like a lot of people, leaders, in our realm, he would, he, it, it would sound a lot different. I mean, he is calling them to be his disciples, to be one of the 12 men that are going to walk with him and eventually spread the gospel, and build the church. A lot of people would make this a lot more dramatic if it were people. Build it up, make it dramatic, flashy, and tell them what they're getting into, what could happen, and if a lot of people try to put pressure on them to do it. But notice, he just saw them, and he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Now, you, you see their heart, they immediately left their nets and followed him. But you see no coercion. You don't see him pushing. Something, I mean, these guys are going to be the apostles of the church. That's all he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That's it. He didn't throw any. We can learn from this too. Men will try, a lot of people, we misrepresent God. Because we try to pull on people to serve him. He doesn't do that. We, we're, we're groveling on behalf of God. He doesn't do it. He doesn't go to people and beg them. These people right here, we're, we're reading about the, the apostles, people that are going to be of the highest rank next to Jesus himself. 
These are the 12 apostles of the Lamb, and he says it with two sentences. Or one sentence, two parts. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They don't even know him. He didn't lay out some grand scheme. He didn't beg them. He didn't say, if you don't, you don't know what you're missing out. Come on, really think about it and get back to me. Now, guys, I know what you're thinking. You don't know me, but I'd really, this is a big opportunity. He said none of that. Do I sometimes with, in church and people, we try to, well, would you, would you serve God? Would you do something for him? Come on. And well, I know, you know, get back to, do we realize it's an honor and a privilege to do anything for him? These guys and we'll act sometimes like we're begging people to do something on something small. I mean, it's all, we got to be faithful and everything. But here Jesus is asking them to be a part of the greatest thing on earth. Do you guys, these guys have rank forever. When you go, you are going to heaven, you're going to meet Peter. What he did on the earth it's all, all glory goes unto God, but you understand there are, there is rank. What we do on this earth is going to matter forever. There's rewards forever. And Jesus didn't sugarcoat it. And then he called, verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Just did the same thing. He just had to say a word, and they dropped everything. But I'm, I'm pointing out, how did God lead? Did He coerce them? Did He say, I want you to be part of my team, and try to manipulate them, force them, anything? He just, He put it there and let them follow. Put it up to them. But it, it's not, there's no drama. There's no pushing. There's nothing anxious about this. There's no manipulation. Mark 10, verse 17. Mark 10, verse 17. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know that the commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Verse 20, And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Verse 21, Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. I imagine Jesus, you know, this guy came back and said, I've done it all. I've done it all since my youth. And I believe the guy was a good man. But it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. I believe Jesus is, he knows. I mean, he doesn't know everything. Jesus is not walking as God. He's walking as a man under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He knows what's revealed to him. But I imagine looking at him just by what the guy said, looked at him and go, he's got a good heart. He probably isn't all that, but he means well. That's what, I, when he says he loved him, he looked at him and said, He's, you know, not with derision, not condescending, but just, well, and he put his finger on the one thing. He said, I've done it all, and he put his finger on the one thing that was holding him back. He said, so he said, I've done everything, I've done all these. Verse 21. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. Do you think it was just one thing he lacked? I doubt it. I think there was more than one. But Jesus, thank God, God will not just crush you with everything you lack. 
He'll just go to the next thing and say, yeah, you're doing well. How about this one thing? If you could just work on this one thing. You know, and if you work on that, hey, I did that, I'm doing awesome. He goes, you're doing awesome, son, daughter. There's this one thing. And that's the way he'll lead you your whole life. And get you from point A to point B, get you somewhere you never thought you could go, but you just one step. But he doesn't go, what? You, what you, think, you think you have it together? Let me give you a list. You're not doing this and this. See, the devil does that. He'll push you. He'll crush people. You know, they think they're doing pretty good. Uh, somebody that's, that's not following God will just, well, they're going to, as we would say, put them in their place. That's not the spirit of God. To get them, shame them into doing what you want them to do. You think you're doing well? Well, you're not doing this and this and this and this. And shame them and then tell them what you want them to do and manipulate them. But that's not God. He could have done that, but he didn't do it. So Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. He just told him, all the stuff you have, sell it. He didn't tell everybody that. He didn't tell Peter and John that. Peter and Andrew, and James and John, he just said, Come follow me. But this guy approached him different. God will deal with everybody differently. But notice, he didn't put pressure on him. He just, he put his finger on what he needed to do, but he didn't berate him. He didn't push him. He said, take up your cross and follow me. Notice verse 22. But he was sad at this word. And he went away sorrowful. Notice, he, he went away. For he had great possessions. He did not say, see the other one, the other one that says they left they left their nets. See, everything they owned, they just left them, and they followed him. But Jesus said, do this, sell it, follow me, and he left Jesus. Now, did Jesus go, wait, 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 you, you don't understand. You don't understand what you, no, you, I'm, I'm, I'm inviting you to be part of my team. Do you understand who I am? It's a great thing to serve God. You think about think about it. Think about it and, and get back to me tomorrow. I know you're not making a good decision, right? Did he do that? Do you know we do that sometimes? Oh, but it, don't you want to serve God? And we misrepresent God. He didn't do that. He doesn't push. He will let somebody go to hell. If he'll let somebody do that, see, he, he prompts, he, he puts things in front, he leads, excuse me, he leads, but he does not push. What, what does that say about some methods where people are, quote-unquote, trying to get people saved when it is pushing? Put pressure on them, do it now. Well, that sounds like high-pressure sales. It's not, I mean, people, yeah, it's life and death. But most people aren't going to die today. And if they've gone however many decades not knowing God, you may be one in a number of witness, witnesses. You know what we need to do? Just be led by God. How, what is he actually telling us to say, not decide, we've got to close the deal now? Because that's not the way God leads. He doesn't always just try to close the deal. Let's look at uh, one more verse, and we'll... Close for tonight. Uh, Mark 10, verse 41. Mark 10, verse 41. 
It says, when the ten heard it, they began to great, be greatly displeased with James and John. So these two had come to Jesus and said, you know, will you do what we ask you to do? We have a question for you. And so they asked, you know, we want you to grant that we'll sit on your right and left in, in glory. And Jesus said, that's not for me to, that's not for me to decide, but can you drink the cup I, I'm going to drink? And they said, yeah. And he said, well, you, you are able, but that's not for me to decide. So then the other guys heard about it, and they're, they're mad. You know, they're trying to, they look at James and John and like you're trying to get the good seats and you're trying to get in with, with Jesus. And so they're mad. Verse 42, Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This shows you the way God thinks. God came as a servant. He is here to serve, not to, to push. That's not his heart. In the CEV, verse 42 says, Jesus called his disciples together and said, You know that those foreigners who call themselves kings like to order their people around. And their great leaders have full power over the people they rule. He's contrasting that with the kingdom of God. If you go back to verse 30, 43 then in the New King James, it says, it says Yet it shall not be so among you. See, he's saying that Gentiles, these people that you see, and we don't have to look very far to see this in our society, right? You know, you, you, we've all dealt with individuals that, that have a position and just use it to boss people around, push them, treat them like they're, they're not smart, not, not worth anything. You know, maybe an employer you had, maybe somebody else. And, uh, you know, they have, they have some authority and they, they don't use it to build people up or to serve, they use it to boss people around and make their job easier. You, I, I could probably, everybody could go around and I, they could give examples in, in, you know, of, of your life. Well, that's, that's not God's spirit. God doesn't push. He doesn't tell you. He has all authority. He's the highest power in the universe, but He doesn't lead like this. He doesn't push on you. He doesn't tell you what to do. He doesn't condescend. If anybody could put you in your place, it'd be him or me and not my place. And he doesn't do it. In, instead, he says, yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to be great among you shall be your servant. This gives you a glimpse of how God does things. And that's how he leads us. Even though he knows everything, he doesn't push. He just leads you by peace. He shows you step by step. He says, whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Well, this, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. So he's gentle. He's a gentleman. He is always kind. Whenever you feel pushed, pressed, it's not him. If you, if you were talking about a gentleman or a gentleman or a gentlewoman, just a polite person, they don't push. Even if they outrank you, they don't push. They're gracious. They treat you 
like you're somebody, even though you know. They outrank you. They don't have to be that. That, that is so attractive to us, isn't it? When somebody you know, they, they are taking time out of their day and they're busy, but they're being gracious to you. Well, that's, the way, that's a godly way of operating. That's the way he leads. But we're, we're painting a picture. You're seeing, what does God look like? What does the leading look like? And what, now we're gonna, we've seen some of what he's not and some of the, the pressing, but you're going to see, what does it look like when the devil's pushing? What does that look like? And then we learn to ignore him and listen to God. Let's go ahead and pray.